Hey everyone, it's Eddie Kalegi reminding you that each and every episode of Sportspeak is powered by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a one-stop shop for tickets to concerts, sporting events, and so much more. And now you can use the promo code SPORTSPEAK on the site to get $20 off your first purchase. So what are you waiting for? SeatGeek, let there be live. And now on to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Sports Speak Live, episode 149. I'm Eddie Kalegi, riding solo for this one. Technology would not cooperate. Last episode, Tim stepped in and did a good one with Brett Hahn, uh, who was in the building for Aaron Rodgers' injury. But right now, the Jets are not the most dysfunctional team in New York. That goes to the New York Giants. We're going to talk about that. The Philadelphia Eagles, a team even more dysfunctional than the Giants or the Chicago Bears. A lot has gone on in the last 24 hours as we record this in Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we'll get deeper into that. Um, I've got my first rankings of the strong six and the suffering six. I'll explain that. Also have a take on the whole Deion Sanders Colorado situation ahead of a big weekend in college football. So let's not waste any more time. Get into it again. Sportspeak Live powered by SeatGeek. You can uh, use the promo code SPORTSPEAK, all caps, one word, put it together. You'll get $20 off your first purchase at checkout so again sports speak all caps one word promo code on seat geek twenty dollars off your first purchase at checkout so the let's start with fantasy football because uh we've got our sports speak fantasy league we are two weeks into it again we're going to be giving you updates and what's going on we posted it on the socials uh, we only got two unbeaten teams for the first two weeks it's been a weird start tim moore tyler glass tim made the playoffs last year T Glass was middle of the road. They're two and out. We knew that Tyler Glass's team, the way the gimmicks worked out, he had a really good roster. Uh, it's going well for him. As for me, I'm feeling okay right now. Got a nice win over Brett after a really disheartening loss in week one. Honestly, should be two and out, but got screwed, got absolutely screwed in the first week. I had two players against one, but one of those two was Aaron Rodgers. The other was Gabe Davis. So I had 2v1 against Tristan, and I had a 16-point lead. And I guess Aaron Rodgers leaving Tristan's Packers suddenly gave his team some voodoo magic, and Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. Gabe Davis doesn't get targeted. I had the lead until the final drive of regulation. Stefan Diggs makes two catches. I lose the lead. I lose the game. So I'm one and one. I lost my quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, but I had the same quarterback combo that Zoe had last season uh, with Jared Goff as my backup. And I replaced Rodgers on my roster with Sam Howell. So uh, I, I've got an opportunity there. One team that's in big trouble is first round exit UConn, which is run by Alec Proudhamel. Uh, they are one and one, but he has numerous injuries. He just lost Nick Chubb. He's been without Aaron Jones. He's been without Raheem Blackshear. And now Anthony Richardson's hurt. So his best players, his receiving core is still all standing, knock on wood for now, but big trouble for Alec. Adam Trapper, Ryan Miniker, they both won. So that's cool. And then if finally, if you are ginger, you are not a winner because Zoe and Drew are both 0-2. I'm feeling pretty good going through this week's matchups. I take on Zoe. Uh, she's 0-2. She's got a pretty good team, but nothing great. She had Cooper Cup, and of course, he was her first round pick, and he's been hurt. My pick was hurt, too, because I had Travis Kelsey, but thankfully he is back. But I face Zoe. 
right now 54% chance to win. It's a 50-50 split between Tristan and Tim. Uh, Brett favored by a lot over Adam Tropper, who, excuse me, Ethan Hoffman, who got a win last week. Uh, he's one and one. So Hahn versus Hoffman there. It's a 55% uh, favorite for the defending champ, Andrew Bellows, as he faces the injured Alec Krauthammel squad. Uh, Tyler Glass looks to get to 3-0 against Ryan Miniker. And Drew Jua battles Adam Tropper. This is a big one for the bottom of the barrel. Tropper trying to get to 2-1. Drew looking for a win, but he's got a lot of injuries. Amon Ross St. Brown's been banged up. Lamar, Brees Hall, uh, and Jeff Wilson. So he's got four injured players and his backup quarterback is Russell Wilson. So he's in some trouble, but again, we'll be giving you updates throughout the season because we did our fantasy draft, which again, so many of you tuned in for, I was so much fun. We've also been doing our weekly pick them, Tim and I, I'm off to a good start. I'm five and one. Tim is three and three started zero and three, but bounced back with three wins in week two. Again, follow us on X at sports speak live for all of that. You can also find us online, sports-speak.com. So enough of that. Let's break down because I got some things to say that I wanted to share in week one, and now I can expand upon them in week two now that I'm here and my connection is all good. The Philadelphia Eagles have not looked great for the first two weeks. They've escaped by the skin of their teeth with two wins, but guess what? Two wins are two wins, and I'd like, I like seeing Jalen Hurts get battle-tested early in the season. He's turned the ball over a couple of times. The running game is what's really concerning me because DeAndre Swift has done nothing. For some reason, Rashad Penny is not even getting used, even though I thought he was going to be the number two, possibly the number one. Somehow Boston Scott's ahead of him on the depth chart. And you know me, I love Boston Scott, but Boston Scott is not going to be a major useful contributor until week 16 when they play the Giants. Till then, Rashad Penny should be getting most of the action. So he should be in there. I don't know why he's not getting used. DeAndre Swift has really struggled to start the season. So that's a, a cause for concern. Injuries are also a concern. The birds have been banged up specifically in the secondary. They were without Reed Blankenship. James Bradbury's been hurt. Uh, now Avante Maddox was just placed on injured reserve. Fletcher Cox was banged up in the opening game. Uh, so defensively, the Eagles are not healthy. So I'm hoping that can kind of iron itself out. But for now, the Birds are shorthanded on the defensive side, especially in the secondary. But what really works out for Philadelphia, again, as I talked about uh, when we projected their season, was that the schedule works where they can kind of get into a groove early in the year against manageable opponents. Their next three games are against the Bucks on the road, and I know Tampa's 2-0, but they also have Baker Mayfield as their quarterback, then home against Washington. Despite the Commanders being 2-0, I'm still not fully bought into everything that's going on there. And then they face off with the Rams, who had some good rookie receivers. Cooper Cup would be eligible to return for from IR for that game. And it's in Los Angeles, but I still think the Eagles are the stronger roster. So it really kicks in after the Jet game because the Jets, with no Aaron Rodgers, really frustrating. I mean, the Jets are just cursed at this point. Um, but you got Miami, who's looking good. Um, Washington, no. But then you got three, four straight weeks, really five straight weeks that are going to be brutal. You have... Two Dallas games at home on November 5th on the road December 10th and sandwiched in between are three games against Kansas City, Buffalo and San Francisco. 
it is very realistic that the Eagles are really good this year and they walk out of that stretch losing four or five. Besides that, there's really maybe, maybe they, besides those five games, you could very easily see them going 11 and one with the rest of the schedule. But it's those five games that are going to be tough. But you know what? Deal with the injuries now. Deal with the adversity now. Deal with the struggles now. Let Jalen Hurts get into a groove now. Let this running game get into sync now so they're ready to go when the middle of the season comes. But then, thankfully, after those five weeks, which are going to be rough, you've got some easier games. You play the Giants twice. You have the Arizona Cardinals on the schedule. Those are games that you can win and you can get some confidence. So after kind of getting the life sucked out of you for a month, you can calm down. Also, once you clinch the division hopefully or at least clinch a playoff spot you can rest up your players and get ready to go for the postseason so uh you know you get sort of humbled for a few weeks but then you can get that confidence back with a few good games to end the season including two against the Giants or the Eagles handled easily all three times they faced off last year so if I'm Philadelphia no cause for concern for me they are two and oh there are a lot of other teams who are really good who are not 2-0 and have lost to teams that are worse than the teams that the Eagles have struggled against. New England, while Mac Jones is a middle-of-the-road quarterback and they have a middle-to-bottom defense, they found a way to play well against Philly. They found a way to play well against Miami. They're not a bad team. Minnesota, Eagles kind of let them creep back into the game but walked away with the victory. Vikings won 13 games in the regular season last year. So despite the fact that they're 0-2, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, with how weak the NFC is, that's a top-five team in the NFC. That still is. So Eagles played against a fringe playoff team and a top-five team in the NFC and walked away with two wins. I mean, I'm chalking that up as successful. Uh, A team that's not successful at all are the New York Giants. And I do not care that they walked away with a win in Arizona. They were down 20 against Josh Dobbs against a Cardinals team that is actively tanking and is a complete mess. And the Giants are, again, very, very lucky that they have Brian Dable as their head coach. They are very lucky that he's the head man. Dable took control of a game that had kind of gotten out of hand and was calling plays. And that's what helped the Giants get back into this. But their defense has just been getting torn to shreds. Remember the whole thing last year? Doesn't matter how good Daniel Jones is. Oh, this Giants defense. Well, this Giants defense has been bad. Kayvon Thibodeau has not been great. The secondary has been pitiful. And against Dak and against the Cowboys, that's one thing. Against the Arizona Cardinals, that's not good. And they are, again, incredibly lucky that they have one of the best head coaches in the league. And that's what helped them dig themselves out of a hole Daniel Jones also, credit where credit is due, played really well in the second half. And the Giants have more weapons for him to work with. But guess what happened? As I as I predicted going into the season, Saquon Barkley was so good last year, but it is an anomaly when he stays healthy. Week two, he's already hurt. Ankle sprain, going to miss multiple weeks. So the Giants already lose Saquon, which they have done now four of his six NFL seasons where he gets hurt and he's going to miss multiple weeks. So Saquon is out and you lose a dynamic piece of the offense. And now Daniel Jones is going to have to rely on his receiving core, which is better, but it's still not great. So you lose Saquon. Now you got to play in a short week. They're without Andrew Thomas as well. 
who's been their best offensive lineman because Evan Neal, I'm sorry, is a bust. And now you got to play in a short week against a San Francisco team that has as many weapons. They have like an entire division's worth of weapons on that team, plus a top three defense in the NFL, plus a quarterback who I think is a future budding star. So between all of that and arguably the best coach in the NFL right now, not named Andy Reid, San Francisco, I think, is going to have a cakewalk against the Giants, and New York could be in some real trouble. So while they escaped with a win against the Cardinals, yeah, they had their biggest comeback or whatnot in team history coming back from down 20. Doesn't matter. They are in big, big trouble. But they still pale in comparison to the team that's in the worst trouble right now, and that's the Chicago Bears. And I know one of sort of the bits with Tim, I'd say, is his disgust for Justin Fields as a quarterback and how he thinks Justin Fields is awful. Justin Fields is not a good quarterback, but he's also being failed by the system. So the Bears played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who left the door open and gave Chicago a prime chance to win this past Sunday. And then it became very apparent that the Bears' offense was calling plays multiple times in a row. There was a viral clip all over social media of that final offensive drive, which ultimately resulted in the Shaq Barrett pick six, where the Bears ran the same inside screen action three plays in a row. One was a penalty, second one was successful and got them a few yards, and then the third one was an interception because the defense read it. Shaq Barrett knew exactly what was happening. And not only was it the same pattern, it was the same look, the same setup going to the play. You had the same amount of receivers on both sides. You had the running back to the same side of Justin Fields, and he ran the same thing. He didn't go outside. He went inside all three times between the center and the right guard. He went right in all three times, was right there, turned around for the catch made the play, and then they do the exact same thing again? I mean, seriously, that's like me trying to play Madden, and I'm just using like three plays because I can't trust myself to throw the ball down the field because I think I'm going to have an interception. That's the strategy that the Bears are playing with right now. Not to mention the defense, which is always hyped up, similar to the Giants, is not what it's chalked up to be, and the coaching situation is bad. Matt Eberflus is in over his head as quarter as coach, very similar to his pre his predecessor in Matt Nagy. And the Bears have had all kinds of issues over the last 24 hours. Justin Fields spoke to the media about his struggles and hinted at coaching being the problem. The defensive coordinator is not even around. Now there's been homes raided of the staff and I don't know what's going on right now. It's a complete dumpster fire for the Chicago Bears. And I've said this in our group chat, and I'll say it again. If the Cleveland Browns did not exist, the Chicago Bears would be the most dysfunctional organization right now in the NFL when you look at it historically. Now, the Cardinals have had their problems recently, but they've also had lots of success. They almost made the Super Bowl in 2015. They did make the Super Bowl in 2008. They've had good years. The New York Jets are cursed, but I don't think it's all on ownership and management. They've brought in pieces that should be good, and it just hasn't worked out. The Chicago Bears 
have had a Rex Grossman run to the Super Bowl back in 2006 be their shining moment over the last two and a half decades. The 1980s with Mike Ditka and that defense and the refrigerator, that is a long, long time ago. We have now traveled 30, 40 years, and I know the Packers were in your division, and you had to deal with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks over 30 years, and that's a tall task to deal with. But the fact that you can't sneak into wild cards consistently or at least contend, the Lions are a mess. The Vikings are usually pretty beatable, but you still find yourself consistently in the bottom of the pack, not just in your division, but in the entire conference. And I mean, just look at the last 10 years. Jay Cutler is the quarterback. Then you go to Mitch Trubisky, which was a risk when you took him and it didn't pay off. Biggest thing you accomplished there is making the playoffs once in a season, by the way, where you kind of fell apart at the end and barely made it into the postseason and then got embarrassed by the Saints on Nickelodeon. And then you replace him with another guy who's in over his head and again was a questionable draft pick because of the history of Ohio State quarterbacks not translating into the NFL and mobile quarterbacks not translating well into the NFL and shorter guys not translating into the NFL under center. And guess what? Justin Fields was the Holy Trinity. He's undersized, he's overly mobile, and he's from Ohio State. That's three for three. So you got all three of those problems, and what's happened? It's backfired. And you've had some poor coaching decisions. You had Matt Nagy, who was not the best coach. You can't, I mean, you can't blame him for what happened with Cody Parkey with the double doink, but still, the Bears have been a mess. The Bears, I don't think people talk about enough as being a dysfunctional franchise right now, and they need leadership change. I know they've had leadership change within the last couple of years, but there needs to be some systematic change with how the Chicago Bears are run. Because a team that's in that big of a media market is one of the oldest franchises, one of the more storied franchises in the league. You expect much more success, and you're not getting any of that. And now's your chance to strike. Because Jordan Love, while he's looked good through the first couple of weeks, I highly doubt he's going to be Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. The Packers are finally without that star quarterback, which carried them for three decades. The Vikings right now are probably on the backside of this current run because Kirk Cousins is getting older. And while Justin Jefferson is young and strong, there's not too much there. And the defense is aging. The Detroit Lions are a nice story. I still have questions about Dan Campbell's coaching in the long run and how far they can go. So the Bears have the chance. And I know Justin Fields had no weapons. Now he's getting more weapons, but there's more problems there. And whether or not you think that Justin Fields is a bad quarterback, the team is certainly poorly run. So the Chicago Bears, to me, people aren't talking about it enough. They are as dysfunctional as they come. And that takes me to uh, my new thing I'm going to be doing every week, at least when I'm on the strong six and the suffering six. So I'm, sp- I'm we're going to ignore 20 teams in the league that are the middle of the pack. I'm going to take who I think are the six strongest teams at the moment who could really contend for a championship. And then the suffering six who are the six at the bottom of the barrel. And we'll see how much it changes. I'm not going to rank them. I'm just going to put them in these two tiers. So with two weeks complete, my strong six, the Dallas Cowboys have to be there. Wins over the Giants and Jets, both in convincing fashion, both over teams that supposedly had good defenses. The Jets defense has, you know, proven it a little more in their other game against Buffalo. Um, 
Cowboys, though, it's been a walk in the park. Dak Prescott hasn't had to do that much. And I know people are concerned. Oh, Dak, Dak, Dak. Well, guess what? A team with a seventh round pick, third string quarterback, made it to the conference championship last year and maybe had a shot to make the Super Bowl if he stayed healthy. So it's not all on Dak. If you've got a really good team, you got the best defense in the NFL potentially and top five weapons in the NFL and Mike McCarthy not making too many blunders at head coach, then as long as you have a serviceable quarterback, that's about all you need, especially when you're in a weak conference. So they're number one. The San Francisco 49ers, another juggernaut from the NFC, two wins. We're challenged by the Rams, but we know the Rams and Niners is always an, an intriguing rivalry, and the Rams have been pretty impressive through the first two weeks. Uh, San Francisco's in that list. And I'm still putting Philadelphia because they're 2-0 and and because they've beaten two good teams right now in my strong six because I still think they're the Super Bowl favorite out of the NFC. AFC side, I've been shocked by how much the Bengals have struggled because I thought they were going to the Super Bowl. They are 0-2. Joe Burrow has been a miss. I don't know if it's because of the calf. I don't know if it's just the way the Bengals are because every season they struggle out of the gates under Zach Taylor, but they're 0-2. So they're off this. The Chiefs are one of the teams from the AFC who have made it, even though they lost to Detroit. Again, that's because of Kadarius Toney. If Kadarius Toney had made one more catch, he had three drops. If he had made one catch on one of those instead of dropping it, they probably would have won the game. So Kansas City almost beat Detroit, and then they get a big win over Jacksonville, who's a good, good team. And to knock them off, that's really, really good. So if I'm Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, Mahomes got his contract restructured, they're fine. And then I got two teams from the AFC East in the strong six to wrap it up. One is the Buffalo Bills, who lost a heartbreaker to the Jets. But, you know, the Jets were going for that moral victory after the debilitating loss of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, So I don't chalk that up too badly for Buffalo. It was also on the road. They come back in convincing fashion and just absolutely slaughter the Raiders in week two. And this is with the Raiders still pretty healthy. So the Bills I have in my strong six because I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to win double-digit games easily. And the Miami Dolphins. I have my doubts going into the year if they could even be a wild-card team, but they're doing the same thing that they did last year, starting the year really strong. The Dolphins have won their first two games of the season. Tua Tagovailoa has been the best quarterback in the league over the first two weeks. Tyreek Hill has been arguably the best receiver in the league. The defense has been making stops when necessary, even though there's still major gaps on the defensive side of the football. Uh, The run game has been serviceable, but the Dolphins for me right now, I don't think they're going to stick, but I've got them in my strong six. Then I've got the suffering six. Now the NFC is the worst conference, so they're going to have more teams in the suffering six. I gave them four to start, which I think I'm almost being a little generous because I think there are more that could be down there. The Giants, as I said, really concerned about them. Don't need to elaborate more. I've already talked about them. The Arizona Cardinals are tanking actively. I don't expect them to move out of this suffering six group the entire season. The Chicago Bears, again, just talked about them. I think they will be a mainstay down here. Right now, the Carolina Panthers are also down here. Bryce Young has struggled through his first two games. He's also a little banged up because he's an undersized quarterback. Panthers don't have much on that roster. I think they're the weakest link of what is a pretty weak NFC South. So they're the fourth from the NFC. The two AFC teams I've put, because it's difficult, right? The AFC is so stacked. 
I mean, you look at the East, the worst team is what? The Patriots? They're not terrible. The West, which we'll get to, I put one of those teams there. The South, I can't commit to any of these teams as being bad yet because Anthony Richardson has looked good through the first two games. Now he's hurt, but the Colts' offense looks rejuvenated. The Texans have, you know, I think they've been better than some people have expected through the first couple of games. They've at least been competitive. So the two I'm putting down here, the Browns, if Nick Chubb was not injured I would have put the Texans in instead of the Cleveland Browns but the Browns yeah they signed Kareem Hunt back but you lose your best player and Deshaun Watson at quarterback is just not the same since he missed two years he just he's not the same quarterback he's very inaccurate and Chubb is the mainstay of this team great kid great running back gone for the year terrible news but the Browns lose him got to put them down here for now especially with the way they lost that game to Pittsburgh and I mean Broncos country, let's ride to 0-2. Same year, new years, new coach, same deal. Sean Payton back at the helm now with the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson, they fail to score more than 16 points and lose the opener to Vegas. Then the way you lose to the commanders, I mean, seriously, you throw a Hail Mary and then you can't convert the two-point conversion? I mean, I know... That was a missed DPI against Washington. But even still, that was a bad ball from Russell Wilson to begin with. That was a bad scheme on a two-point conversion. You had three receivers going one direction. It was going to be a crowd. You're playing from the three-yard line. You're thrown to the end zone. That's going to be so crowded. It's going to be hard to get the ball to a single player when you have six bodies right there. Three offensive players, three defensive players running about the same route. So if I'm Denver, I'm concerned. But... It's not shocking. It's just following the course of last year. So, again, my strong six after week two, Dallas, Philly, San Francisco, Kansas City, Miami, Buffalo. On the other end, the suffering six, Giants, Cards, Bears, Panthers, Broncos, and Browns. Finally, college football. Huge weekend coming up. I believe it's six ranked matchups plus FSU and Clemson. You've got multiple top 15 games. Ohio State, Notre Dame, a really important game for Ryan Day, who's been good against bad teams, but can't win the big game. This one could be really legacy defining for him here in his career after losing multiple times to Michigan and being an easy out in the college football playoff uh, two years ago, last year, losing to Georgia. This is really going to matter for him, what he can do against Notre Dame this coming week. You've got a lot of big games in the Pac-12. SEC's got some good matchups. Big Ten's got Penn State, Iowa. Iowa's much improved. I'm going to Michigan this week. I'm really excited for that, for Rutgers-Michigan football. Uh, Rutgers has actually played them pretty tough the last couple of years. I expect the Wolverines to win, but hey, the Scarlet Knights are 3-0. and uh, Got to just keep chopping and, you know, they went to Michigan two years ago. Michigan was just as good as they are right now, and Rutgers only lost by three. So we'll see. But the storyline in all of college football right now is Deion Sanders. And I'll preface this as for good reason. I mean, he's taken a team that had one win and gotten them to 3-0. and But it's too much. It is really too much. It's all that's talked about in the media. I mean, both college game day and big noon kickoff are both there for Colorado, Colorado State, when there's a bunch of games going on. There's six ranked games this weekend. I guarantee you, Colorado's game is going to be the one that's talked about the most. Colorado, Oregon is going to be talked about way more than any of the other ranked games when there's better ones on the schedule. 
And Deion Sanders is a great story. He's an unconventional coach. He's brought in a lot of kids who wouldn't have had opportunities, probably D1 otherwise. He's gotten guys like Travis Hunter, who initially committed to Jackson State with him when he had offers from Power 5 schools and now went with Deion to a Power 5 school. And that's cool and all. But the coach prime and all of that, it's getting a little much to me for a team that hasn't really proven it yet. If they can beat Oregon and they can beat USC, and we're sitting here in Colorado still undefeated 5-0 and to start October, then my feelings will change a bit. If they can win the next two, I'll be like, okay, this team is legit. But you almost lost at home to rival Colorado State, who's not a very good football program. And I know Henry Blackburn had the dirty hit on Travis Hunter and took him out of the game and all that. But you allowed Colorado State to put 35 up on your defense. You barely got away from Nebraska. You barely beat TCU. You've had some nice wins to start the season. That win in TCU on the road was really cool. And again, Deion Sanders, I think, is a breath of fresh air in college football. And again, unconventional. And it's a great story what he's done with this Buffalo's program that's been downtrodden and has made had multiple conference moves over the last 10, 15 years. But there's other stories in college football right now. I mean, Clemson's not good. Alabama's not good. Ohio State may not be very good. This is one of those years where it could be a very topsy-turvy season. And there are other teams besides the Colorado Buffaloes who could be in serious contention to make a run to the college football playoff, something they've never done before. Florida State is back on the up. Texas is back on the up. Those teams are much better than Colorado, and I think should be getting talked about in that way. But Colorado is the only team that's being covered by the media right now. And I think it's a little too much. And again, Colorado has Deion Sanders for now. They have Shador Sanders for now. I would not be surprised if the following happens. The Dallas Cowboys have two more years of relevant, good, but still can't make it to the promised land. And what happens? They fire Mike McCarthy and they bring in Deion Sanders as their head coach, and Deion Sanders abandons Colorado just as he did with Jackson State. I think this is what it's all trending towards. I really think it does. I really think Deion Sanders is going to be an NFL coach within two years. Is that? Am I saying that's a bad thing? No. I'm just saying there are so many other stories in college football that are getting neglected and just aren't getting covered because everything is about Colorado Buffalo's football. And that's cool for that team. That's cool for that school. That's great for Deion Sanders and his family and for Travis Hunter being a two-way guy playing 150 snaps a game and all of that. But there's more to college football right now than just Coach Prime. And I really hope that with this big weekend coming up with six ranked matchups, that they're all covered. And it's not just all about Colorado. And again, they're 3-0. and They've barely won multiple times. Let's just see where we're sitting two weeks from now after they play Oregon and USC. But that's going to do it here for Sportspeak Live, episode 149. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Sportspeak Live. We're powered by SeatGeek, promo code SPORTSPEAK, all caps one word, for $20 off your first purchase. Well, if Tim Moore back on the program next week, uh, we're going to be previewing the baseball postseason, final week of Major League Baseball, still some wild card spots and the American League West to be settled. We'll talk about it next week heading into the final weekend. We'll recap NFL Week 3, any big stories from college football this weekend as well. And the NBA is right around the corner. Preseason basketball starts two weeks from this Friday. That'll do it here on Sports Speak. Until next time, I'm Eddie Kalegi signing off.